0: Hey guys, welcome back to the Midwatch. Um, on this episode, I'm gonna do something a little bit different. Uh, it's been pretty hard over the past week and a half to line up a guest uh, between my schedule and some of the guest schedules. So uh, I'm just gonna go ahead and kind of do a podcast by myself, uh, just to kind of break up the uh, the big time gap I have I have in between podcasts. So uh, on this podcast, I kind of want to um, go over a speech that. Uh, it's pretty well well known on Facebook. It's one of like one of like the uh, viral videos that, that gets shared a lot by a gentleman named uh, William McRaven, or also known as Admiral McRaven. Uh, to kind of go over who he is, uh, if you do not know, uh, he served in the military uh, from 1977 to 2014. Uh, obviously, he was a uh, an officer. Um, he was also a Navy SEAL. His uh, father was a World War II fighter pilot. Uh, he was in the Class 9-5, uh, which graduated from BUDS in 1978. Uh, some of the commands and and titles that he held, he was the uh, platoon commander for SEAL Team 4. He was the XO of SEAL Team 1 during the Persian Gulf War. He was the task group commander of the Sencom area of operations, which CENCOM is the Middle East. He was the deputy commander for operations at JSOC, which is the Joint Special Operations Command. He was the Commodore of Naval Special Warfare Group 1. Uh, He was also the CO of SEAL Team 3. And probably his biggest claim to fame is he was credited for organizing and overseeing the Operation Neptune Spear, which um, we all know is the operation that led to the uh, killing of Osama bin Laden. And uh, later on that year, he went from vice admiral to admiral, uh, and I'm pretty sure that's because of the success of the Operation Neptune Spear. Um, and then he retired three years later in 2014. But why many people who are not in the military uh, or in the Navy may know who he is, is again, like I said before, of that video that has been shared um, of his speech that he gave at the University of Texas. Uh, to one of the graduating classes there He was the uh, like the guest speaker For the graduation So again this is uh, His speech at the University of Texas On May 17th 2014 And I'm not too sure if this is bef- uh, Before or after he retired um, But it was in the same year Of his retirement And he actually um, After retirement he actually Is currently still the Chancellor Of the University of Texas So what I'm kind of going to go in is uh, I'm kind of going to read through his speech and uh, just take some breaks and pauses and, and kind of tell you guys, uh, um, you know, how I think about the points he's making and, and things like that. And, uh, you know, if you haven't heard the speech, hopefully I give it justi- uh, justice. Um, I still recommend maybe after listening to this podcast to just go search on YouTube, um, you know, Admiral McRaven's speech, and uh, I'm sure 100 videos will pop up. Um, but hopefully I do it justice. All right, here we go. We're going to jump right into the speech. The university's slogan is, What starts here, changes the world. I have to admit, I kind of like it. What starts here, changes the world. Tonight, there are almost 8,000 students graduating from the University of Texas. That great paragon of analytic rigor, ask.com, says that the average American will meet 10,000 people in their lifetime. That's a lot of folks. If every one of you changed the lives of just 10 people, and each of those folks changed the lives of another 10 people, just 10, then in 5 generations, 125 years, the class of 2014 will have changed the lives of 8 million people. 800 million people, think of it, over twice the population of the United States. Go just one more generation and you can change the entire population of the world eight billion people. If you think it's hard to change the lives of just ten people, you're wrong. I saw it happen every day in the Afghan if I'm sorry, I saw it every day in Iraq and Afghanistan. A young army officer makes a decision to go left instead of right down a road in Baghdad and the ten soldiers in his squads are saved from close a close in ambush. In Kandahar Providence, Afghanistan, a non commissioned officer from the female engagement team senses something just isn't right, and directs the infantry platoon away from a 500-pound IED, saving the lives of a dozen soldiers. But if you think about it, not only were those soldiers saved by the decisions of one person, but their children, yet unborn, were also saved, and their children's children were saved. Generations were saved by the decision by one person. But changing in But changing the world can happen anywhere, and anyone can do it. So what starts here can indeed change the world. But the question is, what will the world look like after you change it? Well I am confident that it will look much, much better. But if you will humor this old sailor for just one moment, I have a few suggestions that may help you on your way to better your world. And while these lessons were learned during my time in the military, I can assure you that it matters not whether you ever served a day in uniform. It matters not your gender, not your ethnic or religion background, your orientation, or your social status. Our struggles in the world are similar, and the lessons to overcome these struggles and to move forward, changing ourselves and the world around us will apply equally to all. So I just kind of want to go into a few things he said. Um, You know, one of the biggest uh, things that kind of stuck out to me in that first uh, blurb um it's just how he re- uh, referenced back to Iraq and Afghanistan um and just ha- how those one small decisions that those uh, people in leadership roles made um it really struck me when he when he talked about how you know it saved those soldiers who were under under their control um you know that decision saved their child their unborn children like you know if if they would have uh, Made that right turn into that ambush, you know, that's plenty of people that possibly could have not been born um, because those folks would never made it home. And again, it, it just, it, that just rolls down the hill and, and you know, it goes into generations, generations. Because if they would have never had those children, you know, those children would never have uh, went on, lived life, and had their own children. Um, so it's just kind of uh, weird to kind of, not weird, but, um, makes things very interesting when you put things into like perspectives and just kind of uh take a look from the outside in um and it also uh goes to show that you know go with your gut i mean obviously those those people in the leadership roles didn't have any intelligence they just <clears throat> i think he actually said it you know she just it just didn't seem right so um or something just didn't seem right so she decided to go the other way and lead her platoon in a different direction. Um, and you know, it ended up being the right decision. So, and you can apply that to anything in life. Just kind of go with your gut. Um, cause 99% of the time, uh, your gut's right. Um, hopefully it's not based on a life or death decision, like, uh, it's referenced in the book, but even in, in life, if you go, if you go with your gut and it just happens to be that, that one-off shot where it was the wrong decision, at least you can turn it into a lesson learned. Hopefully, you know again. Hopefully, it, not something that would cost you your life. But I mean, that, and again, that's the only way to learn is, is to learn from uh, your mistakes. So, uh, back to the, spe- uh, the speech. I have been an A.B. Seal for thirty six years, but it all began when I left UT for basic seal training in Coronado, California. Basic seal training is a six month is six months of long, torturous runs in the soft sand. Midnight swims in the cold water off San Diego, obstacle courses, undealing calisthenics, days without sleep, and always being cold, wet, and miserable. I'm sorry, my my, my allergies are killing me today. Ah. It is six months of being constantly harassed by professional trained warriors who seek to find the weak of mind and body and eliminate them from ever becoming Navy SEALs. But the training also seeks to find those students who can lead the lead in an environment of constant stress, chaos, failure, and hardships. To me, basic seal training was a lifetime of challenges crammed into six months. So here are the the ten lessons I've learned from basic seal training, and hopefully, you will be valued. Hopefully, they will be valued to you as you move forward in life. So here we go. We're going to jump right into his his ten lessons, and and this is the. The main part of the speech that I really wanted to share, because um, again, it's uh, I kind of reference back to it a lot um, in my day-to-day life. Every morning in SEAL team training, my instructors, who were at the time all Vietnam veterans, would show up in my barracks room, and the first thing they would inspect was your bed. If you did, not, if you did it right, the corners would be square, the covers pulled tight, the pillow centered just under the headboard, and the extra blanket folded neatly at the foot of the rack. It was a simple task, mundane at best, but every morning we were required to make our bed to perfection. It seemed a little ridiculous at the time, particularly in the light of the fact that we were aspiring to be real warriors, tough battle, hardened seals, but the wisdom of this simple act has been proven to me many times over. If you would make your bed every morning, you will have accomplished the first task of the day. It will give you a small sense of pride and it will encourage you to do another task and another. By the end of the day, that one task completed will have turned into many tasks completed. Making your bed will also reinforce the fact that little things in life matter. If you cannot do little things right, you will never be able to do big things right. And if by chance you have a miserable day, you will come home to a bed that is made, that you made, and a made bed gives you encouragement that tomorrow will be better. So if you want to change the world, start off by making your bed. So that's his, uh, his first point. Again, he references back to uh, his time in Buds where he would he would have to um, get his bed inspected every morning. Um, and how I kind of equate this to my personal life, um, it was very similar in boot camp. You know, you, you had to learn how to square the corners of the bed and make 45-degree angles, and your blanket had to be just folded just right. And in boot camp, again, he kind of how he said, you know, it it seemed, um, it seemed silly that they were being inspected on their bed because they were in SEAL school, you know, they're going to be hardened warriors, um, but just like you said, uh, it's not necessarily the specific task of making your bed, um, it's uh, learning attention to detail, it's learning that, um, the small things do matter, just like you said, uh, you can be the best, you know, the best at what you do, but if you don't have the simple the simple fundamentals, um, down pack. You know, you'll never, you'll never be great. You'll just say the best. Um, and it just, you know, just like you said, this the small, all the small things matter. The little decisions um, that you make in life are the are the foundations for the the big decisions that you make. So, if you can't start doing the small things right, you'll never be able to do or sustain the large things in life. All right, back to the speech. During steel training, the students are broken down into boat crews. Each crew is seven students, three on each side of a small rubber boat and one coxswain to help guide the dinghy. Every day, your boat crew forms up on the beach and is instructed to get through the surf zone and paddle several miles down the coast. In the winter, the surf off San Diego can get to be 8 to 10 feet high and is exceedingly difficult to paddle through. The plunging surf unless everyone digs in. Every paddle must be synchronized to the stroke count of the coxswain. Everyone must exert equal effort to the boat, or the boat will turn against the wave and be unceremoniously tossed back to the beach. For the boat to make it to its destination, everyone must paddle. You can't change the role alone. You will need some help, and to truly get from your starting point to your destination, take friends, colleagues, the goodwill of strangers, and strong and a strong coxswain to guide them. If you want to change the world, find someone to help you paddle. So again, how I how I uh, equate this to my life is kind of in two ways. You need you need people in your life to kind of help you um, to to teach you, to mentor you, um, and then you also need people in your life that will that will kind of motivate you. Um, so again, uh, me personally. You know I have certain people in the military uh, my mentors I look up to uh, I have people in my personal life um, that I kind of like to follow um, and aspire to be one day and it's kind of like that thing where you, you always hear like keep your circle small and surround yourself with people that you want to be like it's the same same premise um, as kind of what he's going at here and then on the flip side of that is you also need people in your life, um, to give you reason to do what you're doing. So obviously that's, you know, my wife and kids is all the purpose I need, um, to drive me to do the best I can do so I can provide for them, um, the best life that they deserve. So, and again, if you don't, if you don't have wife and kids, you know, it could be your family. It could be, it could be anyone. It doesn't have to be blood, um, but just find those people that you want to be like one day And use them as mentors And kind of follow in their footsteps um, To a certain point I mean obviously you need to pave your own path But um, You know there's people who have Walked the same type of path that you want to walk So kind of uh, follow them and, and implement certain things that they do Into your career And then also just find those people That you want to be successful for um, it, could, it could even be for a certain charity that you really, um, you really care about, you know, use those people as motivation. Again, like I said, my wife and kids, your mom, your dad, your uncle, your sisters, your brother, whoever, just find that certain person um, or people to think about when times get tough, um, and just use them as motivation to keep on going. Back to the speech. Over a few weeks of, of difficult training, my SEAL class, which started with 150 men, was down to just 42. There are now six boat crews of seven men each. I was in the boat with all the tall guys, but the best boat crew we had was made up of little guys, the Munchkin crew, we called them. No one was over about five foot five. The Munchkin boat crew had one American Indian, one African American, one Polish American, one Greek American, one Italian American, and two tough kids from the Midwest. They outpedaled, outran and outswam all the other boat crews. The big men and the other boat crews would always make good natured fun of the tiny little flippers the munchkins put on their tiny little feet prior to every swim. But somehow these little guys from every corner of the nation and the world always had the last laugh, swimming faster than everyone and reaching the shore long before the rest of us. SEAL training was a great equalizer. Nothing mattered but your will to succeed. Not your color, not your ethnic background, Not your education and not your social status. If you want to change the world, measure a person by the size of their heart, not the size of their flippers. So I really feel like I don't need to expand upon that anymore. Um, That's pretty simple, you know. Just doesn't matter what the person believes in, their color, their religion. um, What makes them a good person or not a good person is by their actions. And that's all that you should ever judge a person for. Um, or judge a person by is their actions and their character nothing else and I'm really not going to go into that any further because again that's I feel like that's pretty um, that's a given that's a given you know everyone that's how everyone should act and if you're not acting that way then you know maybe you should uh, take a look in the mirror <laughs> several times a w- uh, back to the speech several times a week the instructor would line up the class and do a uniform inspection it was exponential exponentially thorough. Your hat had to be perfectly starched, your uniform immaculately pressed, and your belt buckle shiny and devoid of any smudges. But it seemed that no matter how much effort you put into starching your hat or pressing your uniform or polishing your belt buckle, it just wasn't good enough. The instructors would find something wrong. For For failing uniform inspection, the student had to run, fully clothed, into the surf zone, and then wet from head to toe, roll around on the beach until every part of his body was covered with sand. The effect was known as a sugar cookie. He stayed in that uniform for the rest of the day, cold, wet, and sandy. There were many students who just couldn't accept the fact that all their effort was in vain. And no matter how hard they tried to get the uniform right, it was unappreciated. Those students didn't make it through the training. Those students didn't understand the purpose of the drill. You are never going to succeed. You are never going to have a perfect uniform. Sometimes, no matter how well you prepare or how well you perform, you'll still end up as a sugar cookie. It's just the way life is sometimes. If you want to change the world, get over being a sugar cookie and keep moving forward. So this, this again, is a very, very good, uh, a very good point that, you know, um, you're gonna get knocked down in life obviously there's no way around it and what really defines you as a person is if you uh... get back up or if you stay down um, and again he kinda really hits a lot of the key points in his little uh... blurb um, before making the point of just keep moving forward that's all you can do in life um, that's the only way to learn that's the only way to succeed is not to surrender to any failures or anything um, Any people who uh, Aren't there to motivate you You know just keep going Just keep going past them Don't pay any attention to them Don't give them any of your time And uh, you know life's not rainbows So it's going to be sandy Cold and wet sometimes Um, And again it's just just keep trucking forward Um, And kind of going back to what I said before The the best thing to do that Is is by having a purpose Having people or a thing that you're fighting for um, That you won't stop for until you succeed, and always, always try to get better. I feel like if you, if you ever get to a point in your life where you're satisfied, that's not a, that's not a good point or a good place to be in because you should always be striving to be better um, in anything that you do. You should always be challenging yourself. You know, you you go to the gym every day to challenge your body, your muscles, um, and you know, no one ever gets to a point of fitness. And then stops because they're happy at where they're at. Because what happens in a month or two, you lose that strength, you lose that speed, um, and your brain's kind of your brain's the exact same way. If you don't constantly challenge it, um, you know you're gonna lose it. And uh, you know uh, that's something I do a lot, and something I challenge. Uh, I have a problem with. I get very complacent very easily, and that's something that I'm trying to break through um, and and change my way. It takes 21 days. Uh, To form a habit and a lifetime to break it—that's another, another quote that kind of sticks with me. Um, And that's something that—that's one of my flaws—is I get very complacent and very unmotivated sometimes. But it's something I work on every day to try to get better at. Um, Back to the speech. Every day during training, uh, we—I'm sorry. Every day during training, you were challenged with multiple physical events: long runs. Long swims, obstacle courses, and hours of calisthenics. Some things designated or design I'm sorry, some things designed to test your mental your metal. I don't even know what that word is. M Metal. This probably wasn't the best idea for me to read a speech. Every event had standards. Times you had to meet. If you failed to meet those standards, your name was posted on a list. And at the end of the day, those on the list were invited to a circus. A circus was two hours of additional calisthenics designed to wear you down, to break your spirit, to force you to quit. No one wanted a circus. A circus meant that for the day you didn't measure up. A circus meant more fatigue and more fatigue meant that the following day would be more difficult. The, circus, the circuses were likely. But at some at some time during SEAL training, everyone everyone made the circus list and an interesting thing happened to those who were constantly on the list over time those students who did not who did two hours of extra calisthenics got stronger and stronger the pain of the circus built inner strength built physically physical resilience life is life is filled with circuses you will fail you will likely fail often it will be painful it will be discouraging at times, it will test you to your very core. If you want to change the world, don't be afraid of the circuses. So this is kind of like going, going into kind of what I was saying before. Um, You know, you you will fail. And um, what defines you as a person, as a man, as a woman, is just what you do with that failure. If you turn it into a lesson, if you turn it into motivation, or if you just sit there and, you know, sob over the over the failure and and don't keep it going or don't keep it moving um again these are pretty you know pretty simple tasks um that i feel many people know but not many people implement them into their own lives all right <clears throat> back to the speech actually i want to take a quick sip of coffee all right at least twice a week the trainees were required to run the obstacle course The obstacle course contained 25 obstacles, including a 10 foot high wall, a 30 foot cargo net, and a barbed wire crawl to name a few. But the most challenging obstacle was the slide for life. It had a three level 30 foot tower at one end and a one level tower at the other. In between was a 100 foot long rope. You had to climb the three tier tower. And once on top, you grabbed the rope, swung underneath the rope, and pulled yourself hand over hand until you got to the other end. The record for the obstacle course had stood for years when my class began training in 1977. The record seemed unbeatable until one day, a student decided to go down the slide for life head first. Instead of swinging his body underneath the rope and inching his way down, he bravely mounted the top of the rope and thrusted himself forward. It was a dangerous move, seemingly foolish, and fraught with risk. Failure could mean injury and being dropped from from the training. Without hesitation, the student slid down the rope fast, and instead of several minutes, it took him only half the time. By the end of the course, he had broken the record. If you want to change the world, sometimes you have to slide down the obstacle head head first. So again, um, I feel like the past like three or four points have really tied into each other um, You just got to go into life headfirst and just keep going And again, um, how he, he said how the trainee Kind of didn't go the same path that everyone else took He kind of, um, you know, innovated and, and looked at the slide of life in a different way And said, hey, like, you know, we've been doing it this way for so long But I think, uh, you know I can still complete the same task but just doing it on a different route so he instead of swinging himself underneath the rope he stayed on top of the rope and kind of slid down that way and um, that's kind of like how I said before when you find those mentors and those people that you want to be like you know those people are in place to kind of guide you on the path but you're still responsible for making your own path in your own way doing exactly what those mentors did won't necessarily mean that you get the same results, but you can kind of use their techniques and their lessons as guidelines to kind of create your own path. And that's exactly what this trainee did. He, he wanted to complete the same task um, by sl- of sliding down the rope, but he put his own twist onto it. And again, you can apply that to anything in life. Back to the speech after my sip of coffee. All right. During the land warfare phase of training, the students are flown out to San Clemente Island, which lies off the coast of San Diego. The waters off San Clemente are a breeding ground for Great Wright sharks. To pass steel training, there's a series of long swims you must complete. One is the night swim. Before the swim, the instructors joyfully brief the trainees on all the species of Starks that inhabit the waters of San Clemente. They assure you, however that no student has ever been eaten by a shark at least not recently but you are always taught that if a shark begins to circle your position stand your ground do not swim away do not act afraid and if the shark hungry for a midnight snack darts towards you then summon up all your strength and punch him in the snout he will then turn away and swim there are a lot of sharks in the world if you hope to complete the swim, you'll have to deal with them. If you want to change the world, don't back down from the sharks. So again, this is kind of going back to what I said um you're going to come across those negative people in life that are going to be that are going to hold you back. That are going to tell you, "Oh, you're crazy. You know, you can't do that." Or, you know, that's never going to happen. And um you just have to Prove those people wrong and never back down to them. Never, you know, never think that they're right. Never second-guess yourself in, in your capabilities and, and what you can do. Um, and, you know, you just got to physic- uh, figuratively um, punch them right in the snout and prove them wrong and uh, just keep going with your head down and keep trucking forward. Back to the speech. One of our jobs as Navy SEALs is to conduct underwater attacks against enemy ships. We practice this technique extensively during the basic training. The ship attack mission is where a pair of SEAL divers is dropped off outside an enemy harbor and then they swim well over two miles underwater using nothing but a depth gauge and compass to get to their target. During the entire swim, even well below the surface, there is some light that comes through it is comforting to know that there is open water above you, but as you approach the ship, which is tied to a pier, the light begins to fade. The steel structure of the ship blocks the moonlight. It blocks the surrounding street lamps. It blocks all the ambient light. To be successful in your mission, you have to swim under the ship and find the keel, the center line, and the deepest part of the ship. This is your objective, but the keel is also the darkest part of the ship. Where you cannot see your hand in front of you, or I'm sorry, where you cannot see your hand in front of your face, where the noise from the ship's machinery room is deaf, deafening, and where it is easy to get disoriented and fail. Every seal knows that under the keel, at the darkest moment of the mission, is the time when you must be calm, composed, when all of your tactical skills, your physical power, and all your inner strength must be brought to bear. If you want to change the world, you must be your very best in the darkest moments. So again, this is going back to those fundamentals, to the small things. You want to make sure that you, that your body um, and your mind has muscle memory, essentially. To the basic, the small things, to your willpower, to your passion to succeed. Because when you're tested, as he says, in, in your darkest moments, um your body kind of takes over your mind and completes those tasks anyways because you're so fundamentally trained and um, it's just second nature to your body to want to succeed and not give up. So uh, I like how he ties all these things into each other because every point he makes kind of references the last few points um, and and they all kind of just tie in together. Back to the speech. We're almost done here. The ninth week of training is referred to as Hell Week. It is six days of no sleep, constant physical and mental harassment, and one special day at the mud flats. The mud flats are an area between San Diego and Tijuana where the water runs off and creates the Tijuana Sloughs, a swampy patch of terrain where the mud will engulf you. It is on Wednesday of Hell Week that you paddle down the mud flats and spend. Next fifteen hours, trying to survive the freezing cold mud, the hallowing winds, and the insistent pressure from the instructors to quit. As the sun began to set that Wednesday evening, my training class, having committed some <clears throat> infractions of the rules, was ordered between—or I'm sorry—was ordered into the mud. The mud consumed each man till there was nothing visible but our heads. The instructors told us we could leave the mud if only five men would quit. Just five men, and we could get out of the oppressive cold. As I look around the mud flat, the mud flats, it is apparent that some students were about to give up. It was still over eight hours till the sun came up. Eight more hours of bone-chilling cold. The chattering teeth and the shivering moans of the trainees were so loud it was hard to hear anything. And then, One voice began to echo through the night, one voice raised in song. The song was terribly out of tune, but sung with great enthusiasm. One voice became two, and two became three, and before long everyone in the class was singing. We knew that if one man could rise above the the misery, that others could as well. The instructors threatened us with more time in the mud if we kept on singing, but the singing persisted. And somehow, the mud seemed a little warmer, the wind a little tamer, and the dawn not so far away. If I have learned anything in my time traveling the world, it is the power of hope. The power of one person, a Washington, Lincoln, King, Mandela, and even a young girl from Pakistan, Malala. One person can change the world by giving people hope. If you want to change the world, start singing when you're up to your neck in mud. And again this is more uh, i equate this to more of like a mindset thing um and uh you have to find the silver lining silver lining in any uh situation so if you are in that situation where you're failing or you're um you know you feel like you're about to hit a brick wall um you have to find the silver lining in that and a lot of the times you just learn. Most of the time, you're at that point because of a decision that you made, and the silver lining could just be the lesson from that decision. Kind of like how we talked about before, um, and it could just be hopeful, Op- being optimistic, being hopeful, Hopeful can can change a lot of things um, on their own. Just having the right mindset, um, and that's uh, that's kind of how I equate that to. Um, I equate that point to my life. Finally, in SEAL training there is a bell, a brass bell, that hangs in the center of the compound for all the students to see. All you have to do to quit is ring the bell. Ring the bell and you no longer have to wake up at 5 o'clock. Ring the bell and you no longer have have to do the freezing cold swims. Ring the bell and you no longer have to do the runs, the obstacle courses, the PT, and you no longer have to endure the hardships of training. Just ring the bell. If you want to change the world, don't ever ring the bell. And this is his last point in the speech, which essentially means just never give up, no matter how hard it gets. Think of those people um, that motivate you. Think of those people that you're that you're living life for. You should never be living life for yourself. That's the biggest point that I I want to make in everything that I do, because it's over the past two years. That mindset has really helped me in my personal and professional life. Um, that life is not about me, it's not about you, it's about the people around you. And that should be the biggest, um, I think that the fact that you have people relying on you is the biggest motivator um, that anyone can have because if you fail, they fail, and you never wanna be a failure to other people. You never wanna have that on your conscience. So never ever ring the bell in life. To the graduating class of 2014, you are moments away from graduating, moments away from beginning your journey through life, moments away from starting to change the world for the better. It would not be easy. Start each day with a task completed. Find someone to help you through life. Respect everyone. Know that life is not fair and that you will fail often. But if you take some risks, step up when the times are toughest. Face down the bullies, lift up the the downtrodden, and never, ever give up. If you do these things, then the next generation and the generations to follow will live in a world far better than the one we have today. And what happened here will indeed have changed the world for the better. Thank you very much. That's the end of his speech. Um, So again, I really highly recommend you guys going to YouTube it and Kind of listening to him say it, because I'm sure I did it no justice. Reading's not my strong point, um, as you guys can clearly hear. Um, but again, um, he also has a book, and that's what I read out of. Um, the speech is just like the back part of the book, um, but the book itself is is uh, It's like a book about his life. It's called Make Your Bed. That's the title of the book. Um, it's a short read, uh, but it's very good. And again, it's, it's something that I referenced a lot uh, in my personal life. Um, ever since I heard the speech a couple of years ago on Facebook, um, it was really inspiring to me, and uh, I thought it would have been a good, uh, a good thing to kind of share on the podcast. Um, and so, I really hope that you guys found um, found interest in this. And again, I, I highly recommend you guys going to uh, look it up and listen to it um, on your own, and also kind of look into the life of Admiral McRaven um because it's it's not necessarily a uh he doesn't have any like great like combat war stories um but he he has made a huge impact um in the socom community um and i mean he's an admiral so he deserves respect just for that uh on its own um so again i hope you guys appreciated this podcast uh and uh our next one will be back to our regularly, uh, our regular guests, um, conversations, and um, yeah, I really don't know what to say right now. That that speech just kind of always takes me back, and I'm kind of always speechless after the speech because it. I just have a bunch of things running through my head right now, and it really, uh, it really makes you think about life and and how you live it, and if you're living it right. Are you ever living life right? Um, you know, there's always something that you can do better. Always something that you can learn. There's, uh, there's just always something that you can do. And uh, I hope one day everyone thinks that way. Because as he said, it would, it'll make the world a lot better. And, um, you know, the again, the biggest thing I want to push is life is not about you. It's never about you. It's always about them. Um, And you can take that however you want And apply it to your own life however you want But I just uh, Highly encourage that you find uh, The them In your life Find out who that is What that is And just start living life for that For that thing That person That cause Um, Because if you just live life for you You're never going to get anywhere So Thanks again for listening uh, leave your leave your feedback if you like these kind of podcasts. I could do more. Uh, there's plenty of speeches that I really uh, I enjoy, um, and that you know I would have no problem in sharing to you guys. So uh, thanks again for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on the Apple iTunes app. Um, you can also subscribe on SoundCloud, and uh, also don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube page. All of the links will be in the description. Thank you again, guys.